Blog Talk Radio. Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. going on here, everybody? This is your boy, Big T, with Extreme uh, Sports, but this is for a political nation with my girl, Tanya Staten, and our special guest, Mr. Miller, and I, we have a very special guest, Miss Paula Dance, who is on right now. Am I right? Yes, I am. All right. How, how are you? I'm well. How are you? All right. All right Tanya, your show, take over. Okay, thank you, Ms. Dance, for agreeing to come on our show. Um, we're not going to take up too much of your time. We just want you to get on and talk about some of the things that um, you want to see happening, you know, as far as you being elected um, to become the next sheriff in Greenville, because we're already claiming it. So, you know, um, just let the people know, um, just listen to you, what um, some of the things that you're going to be focusing on, you know, once you become the next sheriff. Okay. Hi. Let me give you a little background on my history first. Um, with, okay. Um, the sheriff's office. Um, mm-hmm. I have uh, 28 years of law enforcement experience. Uh, most of that experience has been, or 26 years of that experience has been with a sheriff's office. Four of those years was with the sheriff's office on Martin County. Um, that's okay. where I'm originally from. Um, and then the rest was here in Pitt County, um, as as far as, you know, the sheriff's office. So um, mm-hmm. at that time, I was a, a, a patrol deputy, and then I, after three years, I was promoted to a sergeant of the domestic violence unit. After then, in 1998, under another administration, I became the, a major crimes investigator. As a major crimes investigator, I investigated some of the most high-profile murder cases here in Pitt County as well as um, a lot of child abuse cases that I investigated. Many of the people who are on our sex offender registry, um, I put there. After then, I was promoted to a lieutenant, promoted to captain of investigation. And then in 2013, I became the first female and African-American major in the history of Pitt County. On November the 6th, I am looking to break another glass ceiling by, by becoming the first African-American sheriff in Pitt County, the first African-American female sheriff in North Carolina. And also, I am postured to be one of only five elected African-American female sheriffs in the United States. So, as you wow. can see, that is a very historic rate. Um, you know, I bring, what I bring to the table is not only with the experience, it's the know-how in how to carry this department forward. Um, so some of the things, one of the most important things, of course, for me, um, once I get into office, are, are certainly the issues that faces uh, people in, in, in America today. Um, when we're talking about those issues, they are, of course, school safety. We all want our children to be safe when they go to school. Back mm-hmm. in the day, when I 
which was a long time ago when I was in school, <laughs> you know, that most of the drills that we used to have were, you know, how to stop, drop, and roll in case of a fire or how to protect yourself during a hurricane. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. today, our children are having to learn drills on how to stay safe if someone comes in with a nefarious intent to harm them with a gun or, or, or with what have you. Um, so, and that's unfortunate because then that takes away from the study, you know, that kids should be doing rather than worrying about, you know, somebody's coming in to harm them. Another issue, of course, is the opioid and heroin um, issue that we have now. Um, the Pitt County Sheriff's Office currently, our deputies have Narcan in the car because we do so many states a day with people overdosing on heroin. And so, you know, another third issue and a very important issue for me as well is body cameras. Our department yeah. does not have body cams. It is very important for transparency that we have those body cams so that it does several things. One of the things it does is it not only does it keep the officer safe, but it also keeps the officer honest in their interaction with the public. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that it does is it it shows what actually happened or what actually transpired. As it stands right now, you know, some, one person may say, well, you know, it happened this way. The officer says it happens another way. And with the body cams, we would be able to validate exactly what happened on that scene. So that's very, very important for me to move forward or as I move forward in my candidacy in trying to obtain funding to have those body cameras. So those are some of the some of the uh, ideas that I have, or some of the things that I have. Now, when we talk about the opioid issue as well, as one of the things that I would like to see, a lot of times when people are addicted to heroin, they're not getting any resources as far as uh, resources that can help them eat their addiction. So when, we, when you look at our jail, when you look at a jail, any kind of jail, detention setting, most of those people are not there for a very long time. So, of course, mm-hmm. it would not be practical that we could offer some resources that would carry them all the way through their time there because someone may be there a week. We need to identify those people who are in there as a result of being addicted to some type of drug, be it heroin, crack, whatever. Um, we need to identify those people and at least pull together a community that could assist them with resources once they get out of jail. That's one of the things that I would love to see happen. Secondarily, we a lot of the times we have people that we're taking to jail who should not be there is because of the fact that their issue is more of a mental issue, a mental health issue. So when we lost the health department or the mental health center, I'm sorry, the mental health center here in um, Pitt County, you know, that was a very valuable resource to us. But to give mm-hmm. you an example, if I went on to a scene and, say, um, a son assaults a mother, and I can identify that it was as, an, as a result of um, some mental health issue, there used to be a time that we could take them to the mental health department, and they would deal with getting them medicated, getting them the resources that they needed um, in order to get them back right. Now we don't have that. And so what happens is we end up, you know, having to take them away 
And then the only place that we can take them is, is jail. And jail is not the appropriate place for them. So I would certainly be advocating for some other resource that we can use. We do have a mobile crisis unit that it is my plan to use a whole lot more because that mobile crisis unit can actually come to the scene, de-escalate the issues that are going on immediately, and then help this person with resources to get them back on track um, as far as their mental health services goes. So there are a multitude of things that I would be having to uh, wanting to do. The important, the most important thing to touch I am the only candidate who can hit the ground running on day one to do those things because I don't have to first learn how to be a chair. I've done that for 28 years. I am a part of the administrative, um, uh, part of the sheriff's office. I've worked with the budget. I've worked with tactical issues and how we can make, how, how, and how we've been keeping our community safe. So those are things that I don't have to learn. I am the only candidate running. Who has that experience? We do not okay. have four years to give a learning curve for someone to learn how to do those things. So, mm-hmm. in a nutshell, those are mainly the issues um, right now that I am looking at. Um, of course, being a seat for everybody is very important. Um, you know, to know that everybody is represented and can be represented in law enforcement. I am essentially, my candidacy essentially changes the face of law enforcement. Yes. Okay. So let me ask you a question. So with the body cameras, um, say, for instance, when a person goes to court, um, will will they um, have the body cameras in court showing uh, where the feedback, whatever, however they are used, Will they be able to see from the time the officer pulls the person over until the very end? Because I know a lot of times when I watch. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? I know a lot of times um, when I've seen um, them show the body cameras and um, they'll say, well, you don't know what happened prior to the officer getting out of their car and um, stopping that person. So, how would that um, help? Or okay, so generally, what should happen is that you know, according to the policies that I would enact, that body camera should be on from the time that stop is made until the time okay. that stop is ended. So there should not be a question of what happened before. When an officer stops someone, they have to have some probable cause or reasonable suspicion at the very minimum to make the stop. So once that stop happens, uh, the officer must be able to articulate why they made the stop in the first place. And with the policies that I would be planning on in having um, as it relates to body cams, that body cam should be on from the moment that the encounter happens to the end of the encounter. And so North Carolina now um, has it so that um, body cams are not shown to the public unless it is authorized by a judge. But if you have a very egregious case, then I would hope that at some point, definitely if it's a case in court, somebody's going to have access, you know, or, or it should be given some access to, to at least the defense attorney. 
um, should have access to that body cam if their client is saying it happened another way. So those are instances, and that, there's, that's an instance in which that that should be shown. Unfortunately, now um, judges have to make the decision whether that body cam footage is shown to the public. But at some point, somebody somewhere sees that incident, sees how it occurs. It helps. It helps the administrative staff to identify any issues that an officer has. And so there are many, many more advantages to having body cams versus having nothing at all. Okay, okay. Um, because I know um, a lot of times when, when um, from what I've seen, they'll say, well, you don't know what happened prior to the officer stopping that person, and um, it may be right, um, but what we see um it's what we see. You know what I'm saying? What we see is what we see. So um, we can't we can't deflect from what happened before because we don't know that that um, officer had had contact with that person before they start chasing them. So uh, I'm just trying to figure out how would that work? Would it work with the camera? Work? Yeah. So there's always going to be an issue with me. Like, okay, they always saying, well, you don't know what happened before, but because um, the camera is showing when you stop them. I think that should be when, you know, the incident occurred. You know what I'm saying? Right, absolutely. And so that's why yeah. I'm saying once we get um, body cams, then I will um, in, enact a policy that covers or that would govern when that body cam comes on. My, You know, as far as I'm concerned at this point right here, at any time there is an encounter with anyone, say if an officer is stopping someone, that body cam should come on at the moment that that car is stopped. And it right. should not end until that, till they have separated from that encounter, that particular exactly. encounter. So okay. um, that should give you the full story from beginning to end. That would be some of the policies that would go along with um using body cams. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, my question for you, Mrs. Nance, is being the fact that you've been in law enforcement for 28 years, what are your main objectives or priorities once you are in office as deputy sheriff? Okay, so again, um, I, I kind of went over those probably a little bit too far ahead when I was giving my history, but my main objectives, again, would be tackling the school safety issues, um, mm -hmm. ensuring that our children are safe in school. And, and what that basically entails is, so to understand how that works with school resource officers, um, school resource officers are, um, the positions are created and made through the Pitt County Board of, of Education. They determine how many officers or if officers are in school. They this, that Those officers are covered under the budget of the Pitt County uh, Board of Education. So what my responsibility would be is if a, the school board says, um, we want and uh, we want ten officers to cover every school that's in the county. What I would then do is 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 provide the bodies, the deputies that will go into those schools. Those deputies would then be trained um, on you know the day to day operations of being in the school system and what their function is in the school. So 
a deputy that's in the school has the same full authority that a deputy on the road does. I mean, they are they are deputies. They're just assigned to the schools. And they still would carry out their duties only within the confines of the school um, while they are there. They um, And so that's one of the things that I would do to help secure our schools. Um, you know, some of the suggestions that I've also had is metal detectors. Um, you know, having metal detectors at main entrances where students will will come through or even, you know, outside visitors would come through. Um, is to have and maybe a two point system where they come through the first door and still have still have to then engage people at the office before that they are before they are allowed through a secondary door. Um so those are some of the things as far as school safety goes that, that I certainly would enact. I am not and, and, and hear me clearly, I am not, or I am against, I am against teachers being armed in schools. It, I yes, think that we yes. open our door ourselves up for even more um, having to just, you know, I don't want to, to end up in a situation where a teacher feels that they're justified to use deadly yes, force. Yes. So I certainly am against that, um, you know, that happening and would be a staunch advocate for that not happening. Um, that just, mm-hmm. you know, I think that creates more problems. Mm-hmm. Um, secondarily, again, going back to what I talked about with the heroin addiction um, and the drug addiction um, is, you know, trying to, to, to find ways to offer resources to those who enter our our system solely because they committed low-level crimes, such as maybe um, larceny, shoplifting, low-level crimes such as that, that got them, you know, because they were trying to feed their habits. Offering resources to those people who, get when they leave our system, they can have someone else to reach out to. And then again, I'll go back to body cams. Those are the things, those are the issues that I can hit the ground running on um, from day one. You know, and those are the three main issues. I'm not saying they're the only issues. I'm saying those are the three main issues that will be um, my task to start on on day one. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ms. Vance, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Okay. Reading, uh, listening to a lot of stuff about you and uh, our, the adversity you had went through about people attacking you and things like that, uh, uh, I heard about somebody attack one of your signs and I think it was his uh, Griffin or something like that. How have you overcome and just been, you know, just strong enough to keep your head up and go through this uh, this uh, campaign? Well, it has not been easy, but the, the, because it's never easy to um, have to have that adversity. Understand that, you know, no other candidate um, has had to face this type of adversity. Um, I'm very disappointed in the community, that the part of the community that feels that they um, – have to protect some heritage, I guess, but uh, and not recognizing that this is about the safety of an entire community. Um, so yeah, it's 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 not been easy, but I you know I also understand 
that those are tactics that are used to un- to keep me unfocused on what the real issues are. And so I just, as, as, as Michelle Obama says, when they go low, I go high. I continue to move forward. I keep. I just move forward. I don't, you know, it, it temporarily stops me for a second, and I'm right back on my game because I know mm-hmm. that I have to talk about what makes me the most qualified person to be in that office. That has been my main focal point, and that is what I've pushed from day one, and I'm still pushing it until November the 6th and even after. Um, why yes, I'm right. qualified. Right. That's right. So, it, you know, to answer your question, it's not been easy. It is, it is very disheartening. It is somewhat hurtful. But, you know, I've been on this earth for 54 years, and it's not like the first time I've seen it. So this is yes, just ma'am. a time that I have to move forward. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say it. this. There are more good people out there than they are those that feel that way. So that's, that's why I say that's great. Yes, that's a saving grace for me because there are <laughs> way more good people than that small fraction of folks who feels that my candidacy delegitimizes an office that should be for the most qualified and the most experienced person. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I have one final question, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you may be able to answer this or, um, you know, but, you know, in um, last recent days, you know, um, the, rhetoric, the rhetoric has been kicking up a lot, and, you know, with a lot of um, threats and people acting um, outside their character. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. trying to say it in the most possible um, professional way. How do you intend on handling hate crime? Um, well, you know. Yeah. Well, this is what happens when we're talking about uh, um, hate crimes. That usually goes up to the federal level. Um, okay. What happens is, yeah. So, 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 it, even if it's something that I deem as, a, or, or that one of my investigators deems as an obvious hate crime, what would happen is, is that we would then present that information to the district attorney's office, and it would be up to the district attorney's office then to um, say whether that is a crime and whether to prosecute it on the state level or the federal level. So. Okay. Um, so it's not really a choice for at the sheriff's level. All we do at, at the sheriff's office, what we do is we enforce uh, the laws of the state of North Carolina, and okay. um, and we we investigate those cases. We we present them to the district attorney's office. The district attorney then decides on how they're going to handle the prosecutorial part of that case. So really, that would probably be a, a question better asked for a. A process, uh, you know, a a um, district attorney candidate, or you know, uh, or judge, or or something like that. Because okay. my job would be clear cut, investigate and enforce the the laws of the state of North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Right. Can I can I slide one more question in here? Absolutely. Real quick. All right. The uh, the population of black and whites, uh, even. Mexicans and stuff like that, uh, more of not togetherness in the community of Greenville. They have had uh, 
you feel like you, you the, the black folks getting treated unfairly and things like that. How do we bring a community, especially uh, together around here, especially in Green? Well, okay, um, good question. Um, so let me say this. Um, first of all, if you will look um, even at my candidacy and the team that I have around me, I have um, people who are on my campaign that are representative of everyone in the community, black, white, Hispanic, gay, straight, religious, non-religious. So mm-hmm. because this is the community that I have to serve, and these are, you know, so, if you know, you have to lead by example. And so if people mm-hmm. would look at my candidacy and my campaign and who I have surrounding me that's, that's representing me, I am representing every part of this community. And secondarily, the other things that I would like to see happen is this. I need to mirror the sheriff's department like the county is. So, for instance, um, you know, there there are maybe 30% um, African Americans here in Pitt County. Then our department needs to be represented equally in African Americans. Um, There's, you know, of course, more... um, White Americans that um, are here in Pitt County, and our and our, our department has always represented that fraction of folks. Um, but what we are mis uh, what we are underrepresented on is Hispanic or Latino um, officers because they are a part of our community. So mm-hmm. one of the things, so some of the first things that I want to do is to make sure that that we have Latino. Um, Officers that are representative of the the uh, percentage of Latinos that we have in this county. I want to make sure that our African Americans are represented um, just as much as it is here. What our population shows in this county. So those are uh, some of the ways because sometimes when you um, deal with people of your own ethnicity, you understand better. For you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. Um, and yeah. as yeah, so as Latinos come aboard um, or, or hired, I mean, I, I think that it, that it gives some type of solace to our Latino community. So those are ways in, in which, you know, we have to start. We have to first start by representing each part of our community. Um, That's right. Like good officers and, you know, just, you know, that kind of thing. So... Um, I certainly hope to to be a unifier and not a divider. Um, I know doing this doing uh-huh. this candidacy, um, some, uh, there's been a, a, a lot of uh, divisions with the rhetoric. Um, yes. But you know, through the whole thing, I'm continuously saying my motto, my mantra has been a sheriff for everybody. And so, you know, I just keep continuing to push and trying to unify people. I do it through my my campaign staff. I do it through the people I encounter. I have been in every sector of this community, black, white, Latino. It doesn't matter because these are the people that I have to be a sheriff to. So, again, I lead by example. Okay. 
So I really appreciate you for coming on the show and then I really hear you and, you know, um, let give them, you know, your background and let them know what you hope to bring to, um, you know, the sheriff's department. We are already claiming your victory. And Absolutely. um, we, and I, um, me and Tim went out on on yesterday in the cold and pushed for you. And um, the rest of um, you know, Mr. Ferris Dixon and Miss Judy Dupree. So we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you all without without support and our people and our real listening that you get elected. You know, so and we Absolutely. just we thank you for coming out. Also, like to say this is. Look, this is a, one of the most historic races that we have seen in our community in, in, That's in, right. in, you know, in, in forever. I don't think there's right. a slate like this of people who are qualified. That's the most important thing. Each and every one of us that are that are running, we are qualified, more than qualified, yeah. to hold the positions of the office that we seek. So, That's right. you know, we have to, and this is, this is how we become voices. This is how you get a voice and everybody else gets a voice in what goes on in our local politics. Local pol- voting in local politics is almost more important than voting for the national it, it one is. because these are the things that affect you in your community today. Not what's That's happening right. in Washington, D.C., not what's happening in Oregon. What's happening in Pitt County should be the most important thing that, you know, for anyone who's voting in these local elections. And they're very important. And, you know, we can't uh, be be the change that we want to see until we the change that other folk want to see as well. That's right. I encourage and I implore of people, go exercise the right that people lost their lives for them to have. That's right. Don't pay yes, to them by going to exercise a simple right of, of, of choosing who you want to see in office, who you That's want right. or who you feel that makes a difference. So I, right. I certainly encourage everybody to get fired up and get ready to go because you may not see this again for a long That's right. time. So just get fired up and ready to go. Let's do this. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Right. Y'all can we see I'm all excited about it. So that's why I'm all, all animated here. Tell people to get fired up and go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right. And we want to thank you again for coming on and and like I said, we claim your victory for Tuesday, and uh, you have a good one. We're going to push. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're keeping this going on, and we have Miss Dupree on right now also, I think. How you doing, Miss Dupree? Yeah. I'm Hi, how are, well, you? how are you? I'm great. How you doing, Judy? I'm Natalia. <laughs> so we would like to thank you for um, coming on this show today. Uh, we're not going to take up too much of your time. Um, as you know, we are big supporters of education, and uh, we just want our listeners and our viewers to know um, a little bit about you and some of the things you plan on doing, you know, uh, once you become um 
once you get on the Board of Education, because we're already claiming it, and we're going to push for it. We pushed for you yesterday when we was out there in the cold, and we just want other people that didn't come out to hear um, from you firsthand. Thank you. I do appreciate you going out and advocating and pushing, pushing for me. Um, we need all the support that we can get, and uh, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, um, and thank you guys for inviting me to be a part of it. Um, but basically, I'm a native-born um, Pitt County resident. I'm a mm-hmm. graduate of Farmville Central High School and East Carolina University, so I'm I'm a native of Pitt County, born and raised, been here all of my life. And I'm driven um, to make a difference within our community in any way that I can. I've always had a passion and a heart for the plot of our youth and, and young people and um, our education system, and particularly our youth, at-risk youth. Um, as a candidate for the Pitt County Board of Education District Number 2, I intend to use this wonderful opportunity to advocate for our youth to help identify and respond appropriately to and seek effective ways of ensuring that they receive the help that they need to successfully transition into adulthood, which will thereby help create and maintain a safer environment for our public school system. And as you know, um, that's one of the biggest buzzwords of school safety now um, regarding education. And I think that in order for us to be able to provide a more safe environment for our children at school, in our schools, we need to um, get down, get back to the basics and just really understand why this violence and why, why we're having such a safety issue now. So these are some of the things that I intend to kind of, you know, address and tackle um, in my, in my seat on the board. Should I win? Okay. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Um, With children, um, Okay, with um, the Secretary of Education, Ms. Betsy DeVos, she wants to take away public dollars from public schools and send it to private schools. So how will you tackle that um, issue? Well, I think, um, you know, again, when you're when you're looking at higher up in the in the governmental um, hierarchy of things, you know we could you you can advocate on your level and um, as a board district, you know Pitt County district board member, mm-hmm. um, you know we we have we have a voice, but we you know we have to operate within our within our realm of influence, and so okay. I, the only thing we can do is just continue to push and. Um, continue to reinforce the need for the public dollars, I mean, public, the money to go to the public school system. I mean, I don't, I don't see, I don't foresee that actually happening um, because okay. public systems are, public school systems are pretty much the mainstay um, of right. our education system. So I don't foresee that being uh, um, something that that's going to happen anytime soon. I don't, I don't think that that's going to, you know, occur anytime soon. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mr. Miller, no. are you? Well, she pretty much answered my question before I even stated it. So, <laughs> you know, you know, pretty much, you um, she already stated her objectives. <laughs> you pretty much stated your objectives and what you're focused on once she got in office. So, thanks for answering my question. Before I can okay. Say, uh, I have one time. more other question. I have one more other question. With children, um, you know, I know sometimes the class will be overpopulated, um, you know, and, you know, you have a vast um, majority of children that have IEP plans. And um, so how do you intend with the Board of Education, because I know it's just not only you, um, how do you, y'all intend on um, 
helping those people level out the playing field um, with though with that issue for students with IEPs. Yes, particularly. Um, I think when you when you get down to talking about overcrowding um, classrooms, which is a big issue, um, and one of the things, you know, one of the questions that has been posed to me previously in an interview was, you know, what did I, what was my stance on that, and did I feel that there was a need for more um, schools and and more um, redistricting um, scenarios to take place. And, and of course, I do okay. believe that in order for us to to properly um, adequately be able to address those issues, it it does probably require um, some growth within the public school systems, which may mean um, creating more more schools that will um, uh, tackle first the overcrowding situation, um, okay. and so that it it will allow more more space for us to you know. Um, be able to to also have more resources in place to address those um, the students that have the IEPs and to adequately okay. meet their needs as well. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. Okay. I got a question. Uh, okay. Uh, my I got a my oldest son has autism, and over the years mm-hmm. I've seen him. He's nineteen now. He graduated two years ago. Uh, we saw him back to school to get further uh, I, I kind of put it, further education because he wasn't ready for the uh, workforce. Uh, and then there's a lot of programs that we never heard about that helps them that's not that's not getting put out there. How do we put those programs out there to help these kids with autism and things like that to go into school? Because when they get to an age where they need to, you know, go out in the workforce and stuff like that, we don't know where to go. Well, I think, again, um, one of the biggest issues within our education system, too, is trying to get parents and and families involved and and more Mm -hmm. um, active Mm -hmm. and proactive in their their children's education. And a lot of times um, we don't, we may not necessarily, and I know that there are various reasons for um, some of the lack of uh, parental support and, and involvement and family involvement because of work schedules and um, economic issues and things of that nature. Yeah. But I think that the key to it is we have definitely got to get ourselves out there um, as parents. Um, I am a part of, I was a part of a group called Parents for Public Schools in Pitt County. And one of the mm-hmm. things that that group advocates for is um, coming, you know, making sure that the resources are out there, that they relay that information to those that are involved in those groups. And they, they go into the school systems. They have um, regular sessions where, you know, they're inviting the par- the school, you know, the families of the students that are participating in those schools to come out and hear what they have to offer. They put it out in a, in a weekly newsletter. So I think um, the, the biggest way that we can get word out about these type programs is through word of mouth, um, through mm-hmm. our participation and our being in the right place at the right time. And a lot of times, like you say, some, of, some families don't have access to the information mainly because of their resources and, and their situations. But I think when it comes down to something as, as important as our children's education, some sacrifices are going to have to be made where up front the sacrifices may be, you know, 
really great, and, and, and you might not be able to see the benefit of it at front, up front, but in the long run, you will. So I think that what we have to do is we've just got to, you know, got to advocate family involvement and parental involvement within our school system more. And as the parents and, and, the, and the families start to come out to these programs that the schools are offering, because I know my children's schools were always had um, parent nights or uh, different functions going on at the school where they would invite you to come in, get on the PTA, you know, do these these things, type things like that. And um, my school, yeah. my daughter's school has a website where they put announcements and things of that nature. So I think a lot of the times, again, is word of mouth and getting in, getting more involved um, in, your, right. in your child's school. Uh, okay. Good answer. Okay. <laughs> great answer. Great answer. Um, <laughs> another thing. Another thing is the. Um, I feel like uh, a whole lot of teachers pay around here. Uh, you don't have enough teachers around here. Uh, what can we do about changing it? Well, what, that was another issue. I met with one of my one of the principals in my um, district, and we're talking about um, the teachers from the teacher standpoint, and and about the the whole issue of, of tenure, where where now they're only doing one year contracts as opposed to in the mm-hmm. past when they did multi year contracts. Um, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why the the um, you know you're probably not having a lot of tenure with our teachers and a lot of longevity with them. Um, because of that, and I think if we can get back and, and some, somehow or another kind of find a way to um, to offset the, the fact that they're no longer offering those multi-year contracts, I think one of the things that he suggested to me was the supplement and, you know, for more qualified teachers, getting that local supplement that will be an incentive for the teachers to hang in there and to mm-hmm. come back. I think that will be um, the key to, to building um, you know, stronger uh, teacher pools and um, teacher rosters within our schools. Um, so, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds um, actually great. It, it really does. <laughs> because you, I noticed um, lately you, um, there are a lot of teacher turnover. So, and then, you know, you have a lot of young teachers out there. So um, I just think that it just factors in, you know, when you have young teachers and they get a better offer somewhere else and they're willing to leave because, you know, they're getting paid more. So is there a way that, um, like you said, you know, we're giving them incentive that might help keep them here, you know. And, and when the kids get uh, used to um, the teachers and not only those kids but other kids that's going to be coming to class, they get familiar with those teachers as well, even though they're not in their class, but they know eventually they will be in there. So, you know, kids are familiar with teachers even though, you know, they're not necessarily in their class. So I think that will be a, a great help. Yeah, absolutely. Teacher rapport is a great thing that to have in, within the school system. And that's one of the things that we that they need to know. And I know in some of my research I've noticed that they were saying that a lot sometimes um we have the school violence and the issues with the with the at risk youth is that a lot of times they're feeling disconnected. Um, from their from the adults and the teachers in the, within their school system, so there's got to be a way to connect, reconnect those youth, and make them feel um, that that they matter. And this yeah. is, um, you know, this is one of the big things that I think will help to, you know, kind of offset and and to to tackle those issues as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I I have another question about that also. Uh, the uh, Rate of the the school rate of bullying going on right now, um, 
how can we make, you know, as a parent, our, I guess, because we're not there with the kids going through things and stuff like that. And how can we trust the school system? They're doing the right things, the necessary things, because I feel like sometimes the kids are not getting listened to that uh, when well, they tell a teacher something. I think that's where we have to step in as parents, and we've got to advocate for our kids. I know that there's, right. not, there's not been a time that my mm-hmm. children didn't come to me and they told me that they had an issue with someone at their school, whether it be the students or the staff or the teachers. I showed up, and I made sure I went in and I let it be known that I'm, you're not just dealing with, you know, someone that doesn't care. I'm concerned about my child. I'm concerned about, you know, uh, their environment, their learning environment, and I and I – I'm not someone that don't, you know, really, um, I'm not involved, you know, not that, that type of parent that's not really involved or whatever. I'm going to always fight for my children and advocate for them. I have a grandson that's getting ready to be in the school system in a few years. So I'm going to always show up. And I think we do, we speak volumes by just showing up and not only mm-hmm. showing up and I, I'm showing up in positive ways, showing up. You know, making sure that you've done your research and you know what you're talking right. about when you go in. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we'll listen and we'll get one side of the story and then sometimes, you know, we can go in and we'll we'll go in. <laughs> but we've got to hear yeah. both sides of the story. Yeah. But I'm going to always be a voice and an advocate for my, my children. I'm never, and I've always told people, I never tell anyone that my child won't do this or my child won't do that. Yeah. Well, I know my children, and I know yeah. when mm-hmm. there's something going on. There are also other um, programs that are going on. I know that, you know, where the schools try to help the kids um, empower themselves to report mm-hmm. bullies and to, 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 to take a stand as well and advocate for themselves. But if nothing else, if no one else advocates for them, if no one else shows up, we as parents need to show up and we need to advocate for our young, our yeah. children and let the people, let the, you know, the administration know that I'm not going to let this slide. You can't give me a little um, pacified answer and think that that's going to make me go away when the situation right. is still going on. I'm advocating mm-hmm. for my baby and I'm prepared to go to wherever <laughs> I need to go to make sure mm-hmm. that my child's uh, issue has been addressed and properly resolved before I let, before I turn my back on it. That's right. That's right. Right. So, um, I think um, yeah, we pretty much got all the right answers that we need to hear from you. And like I said, I'm so thankful that you um took the time out of your business schedule to come up here and just talk to us and let our viewers know, you know, some of the things that you want to see happen or some of the things that you know that um that you're going to be pushing for. And we're already claiming the victory for you. We did it on yesterday. So we're going to just call you newly elected um, Board of Education. (laughs) Thank you so much. I do appreciate that. um, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and and have my voice heard. So you guys be blessed, and I thank you again. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Have a great one. You too. All right. All right, there was uh, Miss uh, Judy Dupree. Uh, Tanya, yeah. I got a surprise for you. Oh yeah, for this. <laughs> I got a friend. I got a friend up here that wants to say hey. Okay, go ahead. King C. What's happening, man? Top of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's going on, baby? 
Yeah, I was sitting back listening to y'all. This is a great show y'all put on, man. And I just want to commend you on the great job that you're doing for extreme radio and for political nation. Thank you so much. Um, I'm just grateful to have this opportunity, this platform, because if it wasn't for Tim, when I reached out to him and he was like, we're going to do this, we're going to make it happen, you know, I was just, you know, in a space, I was like, okay, well, this is something, you know, this is my passion, this is something that I really want to do because I've been in the political asset since 2007, but I didn't know, you know, really how to go about it. And when I learned that Tim had a, um, you know, he had an extreme um, radio. I was like, I'm going to reach out to him. And, you know, when he welcomed me in, I was like, okay, this is my time. This is my shot. So, you know, I got to make it do what it do. So, and I really appreciate, I really appreciate you, Reggie, because when I need you to come on my show, you rise to the occasion. And I always tell people, I was like, you know what, Reggie is very attuned to politics, you know. Um, I didn't know that when you open up your mouth and you start speaking, I was like, okay, <laughs> you know so. <laughs> he knows so. So I got to go talk my game when I'm talking to him. But I really do appreciate y'all so much for, you know, always having my back. And then um, when I'm going through, you know, y'all always there to lift me up. So I'm just grateful for it. Yeah, no, no problem, problem. No problem. No problem. And okay, my next question is, Reggie King T. Harris, um, have you been to the road yet? Of course. Okay, of course. the next question is, um, have you voted or are you going to vote on November the 6th? I'm going to vote on November the 6th. I was going to early vote. <laughs> I was going to early vote, but I did a whole lot. I had a lot of rent. My life is kind of hectic, you know what I'm saying? I don't really have okay. a set schedule, so... Yeah. But I'm gonna make I sure I go out there on November six for sure. That's right. So you know we don't have two great candidates that you already heard from that you need to um, vote for. We're gonna make sure we get them in office, you know, because they're gonna help support um, the agenda um, that's gonna help the black community and the black family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But we as a black family need to get out there and help ourselves a little bit, you know. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Because we can't we can't expect the leaders to do it all on their own. So we gotta make sure yeah. we're supporting them. Um they only got a I only feel like they only got a certain amount of things that they could do they themselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, they can't meet us there. We got to just go ahead and take it the rest of the way. But yeah, I, right. I, like you said, that we got some great, great uh, 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 political people that you spoke to today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, great job. I tried to invite you uh, on live yesterday, but um, okay, we got a next caller. No, ain't got you. Go ahead, keep talking. Oh, oh I tried to invite you on live yesterday, um, Reggie. Uh, I, will, I ain't no telling where I was at, man. I probably didn't hear you. And I told you that the other day. He probably hear me right now. If you don't set me a schedule, man, because it might say I'm up here, but I don't really be up there like that. You know what I'm saying? So you really got to tell me uh, what the situation is. I would send that for you. But I ain't know. Because okay. I ain't even know yeah. I was uh I didn't know y'all was out there speaking to the people to register the vote yesterday. So I would have yeah. uh, tried to make my way out there, too. 
Yes, we were. And, um, and I think we, you know, we, we encouraged at least one or two people. So out of one or two, there are many. So, you know, I felt like we did a good job yesterday. And I want to say this. Right, to the white American or people, white American, call you people. Don't just, hey, I'm feeling like this. And I'm be honest as I can about it. We were out there <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. And we can talk, and we've had two that's, that's not our, our race. And they talked to us with men. Uh, well, y'all, you know, that's why the disrespect come from where everybody talks. Because you turn your head yeah. when somebody's trying to talk, ask you a question or something like that. Yeah. So tell you, go ahead on. But yeah. this is not about a black and white or, who, you know, who, this is about being equal throughout everything. And I know y'all, yeah. some people don't get it, but that's what it's made. We have some people that turn their heads when we're trying to say something. Yeah. But that's yeah. cool. We understand. It, it, hey. It was. And, you know, like I told him, I said, I said, that's all right. We're still going to do the job that we came out here to do, you know. And I said, good morning. And he he, he quickly said, good morning. And kept on going. But that's all right. You know, we had some other people that stopped and talked to us and voiced their opinion, even though they didn't live in Belton. They didn't live in Belton and know they was not our race. But they still sat there and they talked to us, and you know, and they showed us that, you know, um, they, they had the same concerns that we have. You know, they didn't live there anymore, but they was a part of that community at one time. So they saw what we saw, and you know, they yeah. understand the reason so, why we was out there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mr. Miller, you got anything to say? Yeah, it has been enjoying it. You know, I enjoy listening to both candidates, and you know, I. You know, I wish them the best because I already know that you know they're going to win. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, like I said, we are claiming a victory for um Miss Dance and Miss Judy Dupree, and we're claiming a victory for um Mister um, um Dixon. So um because it's time for a change. You know, America can't just stay um one sided always because. You know, this country wasn't built on it. This country was built on mm-hmm. um, freedom of press, the freedom of speech, you know, the freedom of liberty and equal. You know, this country is built on uh, immigrants. And, you know, and if you think about it, we're all immigrants. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know I, really how much immigrants I, we are I, I because, you know, they brought us over here. So, um, yeah. I don't feel like I don't feel like there's no immigrants in America because this is stolen land anyway. So I don't feel like yeah, exactly. No immigrants yeah. Over here. So um, I, when they say the land of the free, it should be that. I mean, because everybody should be free to um, be, you know. Yeah. I can I can say this. I think me and Reggie we went to Belmont Elementary when we were, we were young, and I think at Belmont Elementary we can go and play with everybody. Outside yeah. in the playground that was around, you know, big Chris Bullock, people like that. Yeah. They had that issue, but we still can, you yeah. know, do things with them. We can't do that these days. You know, you know, Tim. Yeah, I remember a situation with uh, Chris Bullock and, and a guy named Joey Dunn, yeah. and they had came to they had came to school, man, with a damn uh, with a uh, 
a flyer, a KKK flyer. Oh my God! And at, no. the time, at the time, I didn't know what the KKK was. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I don't think they really had complete knowledge of what it was either, because they were like, "Yo, show me what it was." I, I said, "What's that, man?" They were like, "Yo, that's a, a game or something." They were talking about. I was like, "Man, I want to be in it too." You know, so I, I want to be there because they were my boys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't see them as you no know, just uh, adversary or anything like that. So I'm like, man, I want to be in it too. And they looked at me kind of strange, and I'm like, they're like, man, I don't think, I don't think you can be in it because somebody just put it in my mailbox. So I'm like, why well, I can't be in it? You know what I'm saying? And then they was like, kind of confused. I don't know. I'm gonna ask my dad and all this other nonsense. And then, like, the next day or so, they came back, like, man, I can't stand them people. Uh, they they racist. They don't like black people, and you can't join them. But this is way back yeah. then. You know how long that was. I ain't going to tell my age. That's a, that's a while. Yeah. Because you know George Dunn so, and Chris, yeah, just tell the story. George Dunn and Chris Bullock always been close to us. And it's stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so, we, yeah, so, yeah, they didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know they didn't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Society, the society and the politics is it's a it's a major it's a major it's a major uh, avenue in our society. But it is. It's a whole it's a whole lot of powers behind that 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 really dictate what the politics is about. And that you know what I'm saying. It's, it's just it's just so much stuff that we don't know about. You know what I'm saying that that is having us blind to. What's really going on, and how we could change yeah. it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know I had I've been studying history and, 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 and the the Edgar Hoover's and and all those guys. And I studied all. I know what the government is capable of. Yeah. 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 Um, be on point, man. Well, I don't think we'll ever be equal. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, um, Mister Dixon will be calling in in a minute. Yeah. Okay. I just got confirmation, so. Okay. Um, cool. Cool. But like I said, you know, I, um, Tim, me, you spoke about this. You know, when you were ch- when you were children, you know, you play with the opposite race all the time, and you know, as you get older, um, and I don't know, Miss Jamila, if you recognize this too, but once you get older, and you start getting into like the seventh, sixth grade. It seems like it changed. All you know, black people on one end of the table, and you know those. You know the white children you used to play with, they all in one area. So it seemed like it changed at some point. You know, um, you know from from kindergarten till middle school. Yeah. And I just think that they, they at that time they realized the difference between you know black and white. So I'm not saying yeah. that you know that's what it is, but you know that's just just my feeling and yeah. But I agree with you on that. I should agree with you on that. Yeah. So, but I, I'm just very. I've been. Uh, I've been excited and pumped up because you know I'm a big fan. I watch MSNBC when I can, and you know I, I'm just so. Um, I'm just so proud of all the people that really has gotten out the boat. My my sister just texted me, and I don't know if she's. She's not very political, but she texts me and says, text me all the name of the people I need to vote for. Like, <laughs> like that would stop me because she don't even really, she don't even really call me. You know what I'm saying? But you know, she yeah. texts me. She's like, um, you know, 
when the people start talking, you you you'll be surprised the power of the people. You know, mm-hmm. just among your family. You know, when you don't think people listening to you, they are. You know, even though they don't really support it, and but because that's what we support, they're gonna come out and support it because you know they know it's important to us. So I'm I'm yeah, happy yeah. about that. Yeah. Actually, yeah, we talk because you know you make a difference. Yeah, yeah. We talked to a young dude, a young man yesterday that he said he never yeah. ever had voted, and yeah. you had a conversation, start talking a conversation about Velcro and things like that, and how it used to look yeah. and now what it looks at now, and he said, you know, y'all was y'all right, I got to go vote. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, things need to be better. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what made you know what made me uh, happy when we had people coming in from Martin County, Halifax, coming into Belfast. Before they made that bypass, you know these people used to come into Belfast because they had to come straight into Belfast. But because mm-hmm. these people know, you know, they were a part of Belfast at some point in time, they still take the time out of their day to come in and put in money into that community, going to Dollar Journal or whatever, going to the store getting gas on their way out. So you know. Delta is still on the map. We just got to make sure that people realize, you know, that it's still worthy of, you know, it's a story. Uh, we've got Mr. Dixon is on the line right now and bring him in. How you doing, Mr. Dixon? How you doing? I'm doing well. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I know that you are a very busy man. And we, I promise you, we're only gonna take a few minutes of your time. Um, oh, I, I just want, <laughs> I just want you to come on, um, you know, and um, encourage our listeners, the viewers, our viewers, um, um, just give them a little bit of background information about you, and you know, the uh, position that you want to um, hold, you know, and right. well, I'm, uh, I've been an attorney for 26 years. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, I was a prosecutor altogether for 14 in two different counties. Okay. And I'm presently running for the position of uh, district attorney here in Pitt County. Okay. And that position is important because essentially, and most people don't look at it this way, every case that comes through the sheriff department in my county or the police departments uh, gets vetted by the district attorney's office. We make a determination mm-hmm. of what we want to do with it. So how those cases are handled and the manner in which they're handled would be determined by my policies. Okay. And I think that's very important. Um, if you go back and look for the last six years uh, under the present administration, which includes my opponent being involved with that administration, they unfortunately, as we've seen in the news, used criminal charges for political purposes. You know, we just look at the news <laughs> now. Um, we just had what allegations about – Democrats tapping into uh, uh, for voter fraud, and in yeah. my case, look back in what 2014 when I ran for office, uh, mm-hmm. the woman off his job I'm running for case um, actually attempted to have me prosecuted, fired me, and attempted to have me prosecuted for some charges in an investigation that lasted nine months when I was running against her best friend and her trial partner. Wow. So here in Pitt County, unfortunately, our DA's office has basically used its power as like a little fiefdom or a fiefdom, like a little king or queen. And yeah. if you're not in tune with the DA's office, you can look at there's a chance that you might get charged. It's, it's, 
based on the way it is. And I want to take a lot of TikTok classes. I want to run it based on policies uh, and procedures that are uniform for everybody. Right. Um, the, the key, the sep- key several ones that I want to do are we have a drug court. Well, the legislature okay. just cut the money for our drug court. And you know, we're in an opioid crisis, right? Right. Well, you would think that the present administration would want to would, would talk to the legislators and say, hey, we need that additional money. But in fact, they didn't. And that funding wow. was cut for that drug court. And so <laughs> right now, um, back about 10 minutes. Uh, so right now, we're, we're having to scrape together money for drug court. Uh, and instead of having the legislature actually supporting it, um, if, after this election, I will be working with our local legislators, and that's who you place in position in Raleigh to make determinations to try and get the drug court up because as, having been a defense attorney for the last four years now, I know there's many people that actually need to be in that program that are unable to do so because they don't have the funding for it. Right. Um, and likewise, um, here in Pitt County, if you're aware of, what, 10 or 15 years ago when the legislature sort of tore down the mental health court, and mental mm-hmm. system, well, a lot of those people are now you find in our local jails. Mm-hmm. You know, where they got pushed out and they're not getting the treatment they need. I want to create a mental health court here in Pitt County to clear right. those individuals, to redirect them out of the, the criminal justice system and back into the health care system. Okay. And then um, so, another policy is I want us to have experienced prosecutors handling our very serious, most serious cases. Um, okay. here, for some reason, this DA's office here has never really focused on rape cases involving women and children. Mm-hmm. It's always been a side. And in fact, earlier this year, I tried a case where the prosecutor had less than six months, had been out of law school, or had just passed the bar less than six months before trying a first degree rape case. And that's just simply unacceptable. You know, if he had been a a defense attorney, you can't even try a felony until after you've been practicing for for two years, Mm -hmm. let alone a first-degree rape case. And so a good part of what I do is just good management of the office and of the resources so that everybody can feel comfortable with the decisions that are being made by the Pitt County DA's office. And, of course, the key one is transparency. You know, our office has a bad reputation Mm -hmm. statewide with um, essentially not being trustworthy. Right. Um, are, you, are you aware of the St. Patrick's Day um, case that was about a year or two ago? I'm not. Okay. No. There was a case here where um, a young man and a bunch of other people got into the argument, and he was beaten um, basically to the consciousness. There was videotape that actually belonged to a private um, entity. It wasn't in the university. It started at the university and then went into the city. Oh, okay, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Right. And the first thing the DA's office said, you can't see that videotape. You can't have it. Months go by, almost a year, and they and people realize, wait a minute, hold on. That videotape was not law, was not uh, created by the city or law enforcement. So we mm-hmm. had to write that videotape. When they were confronted, they said, well, yeah, you're right, and we're going to let you see that tape. But you still have not seen that videotape. Oh my God! You know, so it's just a lack of transparency. Um, it's now just have people go back and look over the last six years, both in our local newspaper here with this reflector and local news stations, and when you have mm-hmm. people marching on the D, the DA's office or or protesting on the courthouse steps, 
Um, as a matter of fact, I believe about six months ago, the DA's office had their own forum, a public forum. And, in fact, they were shouted down in their own public forum because the public wow. was so upset. And I just want to restore the trust of the people of Pitt County in that office. Yeah. And it's regardless of what your race is, what your political party is, we will try cases on the facts, and we'll be, we will be answerable to you, and we'll be transparent when we make decisions. You won't wonder okay. how, how this happens. Uh, we want yeah. to serve the people. Okay, so basically you you just answered my question I was going to ask you. Okay. So how do you I get the people? <laughs> you just answered my question because I was going to ask you, you know, there's a lot of distrust with the courts and with district right. attorneys. Um, you know, how do you get the people, you know, because even with the police officer, you know, communities don't really trust the um, law right. enforcement anymore because, you know, there's so much hogwash going on and, um and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be, you know, that we can't trust um, the police officer or district attorney. We should be right. able to go to you all um, knowing that we're going to have a fair and equal and justice trial. But because mm-hmm. it's been so, um, so many things happening, you know, um, like we feel like we're never going to get a free, uh, 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 what's the word, a fair trial because, you mm-hmm. know, you have a well, and, yeah, you, know, you have. I, I, I understand completely because if you remember, like I said, you know, like I said, I, I don't, I don't tell people facts. I, I tell you facts, and I let you go back and look. Go back and look at what happened to me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, she did her best. Kimberly Rob did her best, along with Glenn Perry, who's who's the man that she's supporting now, running for DA. They, that office mm-hmm. did her best to try and get me out of that race. And if they could, mm-hmm. they would have had me charged, but they could. But after nine months of being investigated, I was cleared. And, mm-hmm. you know, we cannot have that. Just because you don't That's have right. someone, you don't take charges out on somebody for that. That's right. To. That's awesome. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, with, when I saw that last um, news about you um, and, and the lady that, you know, that shook your hand, I'm like, you know, I just feel like people are so one-sided now. Like they just feel like because you know they've been in power and bold. Um, you know, I don't want to really go. You know, say what I really want to say, but they, they've I been in bold and power nowadays. Um, and they think they could just take um, matters into their own hands, or because they don't like you uh, and they don't want mm-hmm. to see you succeed, even though you qualify for this position. Um, they they willing to tarnish you, you know, just because um they don't want you to have that position, you know. So I just feel like you know we need to uh, get people in office that can change. You, I know and I'm gonna say it like this. I know that you can't just go in there and just change things overnight and change don't happen like that. But the thing about that is getting you in there so we can um sort of see some improvement because mm-hmm. um things are really um. In a bad way now. Do I make sense? Okay. Right. So, um, look at my commercial. I say, you know, I'm going to clean up the mess. We're going to get rid of the first people. Yeah. Get rid yeah. Of Billy Robbie, <laughs> and Harry. We're going to send them home. And then we're going to go back. And it's, it's going to be a long process of yeah. getting the right people in place, moving some to other people, right. and working. Because, it, as I said, it's a mess. And you'll have to work through a whole lot of stuff to, to get That's right. until the point yeah. where. You know, everybody in the community feels that this is their DA's office, and they feel comfortable with the decisions we're being we're making. That's right. 
And I will and, be singing to anybody. I don't care what, who you are, where you are. You will be singing yeah. in the community, and I will be listening to what your concerns are. And um, I, I think I saw your, um, I think over the past weekend, I think I saw your commercial like 30 times. I think this is a yeah, man yeah. that's going to win. <laughs> he, look, we, are, we, um, we advocated for you yesterday. You know, we pushing for you. Um, we already claiming a victory for you. So um, just know that um, Extreme Radio um, stand behind you and our family stand. And we're going to vote for you November 6th. Um, yeah. And I just told you I'm voting for you as well. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I, looked, I don't want to get you all in trouble. <laughs> oh, you great. Oh, you great. I was trying to do things. No, you fine. And, you know, I intended to have that office run well and in order. Yeah. And that you can, when we make a decision about what we're going to do, you can trust, okay, they're making that decision and it's based on a good reason. Yeah. All right. Uh, C's, C's got a question. Go ahead, C. Yes, sir. Yeah, I got a question. Okay. Um, me and I have been a part of the, uh, the on the other side of the judicial system, right? And, um, yes, sir. I, the drug court situation you were mm-hmm. speaking upon. Yes, sir. Uh, do you think that's more that's more feasible than than keep sending people back to jail for those? For those little petty charges, I mean, to me, I feel like drug use sometimes mm-hmm. is a, a, a mental dis- disability it is, in some it type is. of form. And I it feel like you should be more into rehab in that situation instead of sending more people. I yeah. mean, you're spend, you probably spending more money sending them to prison, taking yeah. care of them, feeding them, feeding them three times a day, you know, uh, feeding them, make sure they got work all the necessities that they need in a, in a, a prison system when they should be in a rehab they force more to go I mean you force someone to go to a you know a jail or a prison so I feel like they should be forced to enter that rehab and fulfill that rehab you know what I'm saying uh, or whatever mm-hmm. you're supposed to do and oppose you know, with, with the option of going to prison if they don't take that not right. if they don't get better, but if they don't complete, some people need more than just that program too, right. because of the situation at their home, at their home situation, or they need to move out of the environment they're in, or it's just a lot of different situations that cause people to use drugs or to be connected to the drug life. So I I I support the drug I I support the drug support because it gives them an option. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of helps them instead of throwing people in there that. That that can't really, you know what I mean? That he's throwing people in prison is not really helping them either way. He's putting them in there for two months, thirty six months, or so that's the just like the 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 most time people get. Not the most time, but the time that's more consistent. The thirty two to uh, what thirty two to four, I mean thirty six to forty two months. That uh, that three year sentence. Yeah, that's yeah for record. You know, yeah, trafficking and. They use they use that sentence a lot. I mean, I see that sentence a lot. I see it, and I feel like those thirty six months or those three years that they paying, you know, the state to take care of them, they could have been they could have used uh, six months or a year maybe in rehab and would have had better results. Right, and what you have to look at is that recovery is not a one time thing. It's it's constant. 
if when you become when you have a drug problem, you're never really out of recovery. It's an ongoing thing, and so we have to understand that some people it may take, you know, one time going into treatment it may not be enough for them. And yeah, like as you right. said, it depends on what your life situation is, who you, where you're living at, you know, what influences are in the area where you live at. You know, if, if a lot of people are using drugs in the area you're living at, I don't care, you know, you're liable to, to relapse yourself. And yeah, one thing right. that this opioid crisis has shown, it's shown everybody that it's not just in one community. The drug addiction can hit anybody in any community and that we have to do our best to try and make sure that those people can return back to the society as functioning individuals. Because it's not just them, themselves. Each individual is, a, is like a little network of connections. You know, either, if they're either a parent, someone's child, someone's husband or wife, and it's not just this one individual being affected. Uh, being affected. Yeah, they have to make sure that they get that they can return back to society. Because, again, while they're locked yeah. up, they're not taking care of their responsibilities. You know, exactly. they have kids. They're not taking care of their children. Uh-huh. If it, you know, if exactly. the problem, they're not working, and we have to get people back working as quickly as we can, and back in society as quickly as we can, so that yeah. they don't, so they don't, they don't have a reason to go back and do. Because some yeah. people, you know, will commit crimes because they have a drug, you know, drug situation problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I've seen people commit crimes so they do go to jail. Yeah, right. Right. I, I, yeah, desperation. I mean, I've got a desperation for the pure life. But right. I was thinking, too, about while they're in there, that's, that's cool, but what about when they get out? It should be, yeah. I feel like it should be some uh, outtake programs. Um, right, right. Like yeah. maybe right. help them relocate out of their community. Maybe thinking yeah, about, right. I mean, Greenville's a big city. I, it's, it's areas that is really unoccupied, and maybe they could put uh, a rehabilitation center there. Not, I mean, I have to care center well. I, I, I mean, I, I have some plans in my head, you know what I'm saying, thinking about, but it doesn't be too much just to explain right here, right now, but I was mm-hmm. just certain things that we could do to, to help those people that when they do get out, give them a, a job, uh, yeah. a nice, you know, decent, decent responsibility, you know what I'm saying, and, and transfer mm-hmm. from from the jail to the, to the outside or from the rehabilitation center to the outside world. Right. I'm going to tell you about a program that is not my program, and that, but it, it coordinates with what I'm trying to do. First of all, I want to say that the governor um, has, is bringing more money into treatment for people as they come out of the criminal justice system to try and help them get placement in jobs. But there's a program no. here um, called Real Men, Real Talk. Uh, and the whole purpose of that, we meet at uh, on, on Third Street at Third Street School. Um, in the scribe in the scribe building, and the whole purpose is to help those people that are coming out of the system with jobs, even if they have families, uh, to give them encouragement, to help redirect them to resources that they need to get new housing, and, and maybe move some you know, on the other side of town. And uh, it's 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 not just talking about people from the community coming in, and it's real men, real talk. So fellow men that want to help. Regardless of what your situation is, if you've had a criminal record, that's okay. You can come on and talk to us. We're, we're all there. If you're a professional, you have a business, you have a for employees, come on in and talk to us. Um, now what I would do is direct you to the gentleman, one of the gentlemen who's in, in charge would be, um, you know, Pastor Coles, Rodney Coles. Um, go to Pastor Coles. 
But also, if you look and go to the Daily Reflection, look up Real Men, Real Talk. They actually have a story about the program. Um, we will be starting back. Um, I think typically you meet each Monday at 6 or 6.30 at the Stride Building. But, again, I would redirect you to Pastor Rodney Coles because that's meant to bring in everybody from the community, regardless of what your station, to help those who are just getting out of the system to get, re- to get reoriented and get a job, and if need be, move them to another location uh, where they're not in the same kind of situation. That's how, that's how it is. Man. I like that. Yeah, yes, I definitely agree with okay. that. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I know some people that really need that, uh, mm-hmm. that program. I'm going to get that information kind of related mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, in fact, there's a gentleman yeah. that comes from Pitt who, uh, well, I'll give his name out, Mr. Ernest Lee, who has been getting people into training for construction jobs, and, and they uh-huh. don't. And Mr. I'm not. I don't work for Pitt Community College, but Mr. Lee will tell you they don't care if you if you got an ankle bracelet on because you don't you know electronic monitoring. They don't care if you have a record. You know, and if you're you know concerned about you know you don't have money, they they do have some scholarship money. Um, and I will actually tell people now if you're listening and you're in a situation where you've got a record, you can't get a job. Call Pitt Community College and ask to speak with Mr. Lee, Mr. Ernest Lee, for his program, and they will try and help you get training to get a job. And they don't care what your situation is now. They're trying to get you, um, like the old saying, it's not where you are, it's where you're going to. They want to That's get right. you to that situation yeah. where you can take care of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got a question. Um, yes, sir. Like, now, what can we like? The all right. Let's say for 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 instance, it's a situation with um, with Dante Sharp, um, mm-hmm. and the uh, you know mishandling of things like that. What goes make you know like make people look at you different that you can make that situation something like that better? Well, what I can can tell you is that that case is now. I believe there's a motion for appropriate relief. And it's been assigned to a judge. Okay. We'll be looking into it. Uh, but uh, as to other cases, like cause, because they're ongoing in that one, um, part of my platform is to have what's called a conviction integrity unit, which will, you know, if the situation arises, to be able to look back at old cases to see, you know, what happened in them, was it, are there problems in those cases? Um, and so we will be actually actively. When cases arise or people or people we get redirected back to the old cases, we'll go back and be looking at old cases to see whether there are problems with the way that they were prosecuted. So that will be that's a built in part of my program, of my of my office is that I want us to be able to look back and uh, one to see that pro- what problems may have happened and also to basically correct ourselves. Are there mm-hmm. procedures that are wrong? <coughs> uh, so in Dante's case, I know that um, as my, the, the best of my understanding is that. Uh, there's a motion for appropriate relief in it, and there's a judge that's going to rule on it or look at it. But as for other cases, uh, we will be open to looking at old cases to try and help out if there's situations where it looked like there were some serious problems there. Okay. okay. That's great. Cool. Good news, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry? Oh, Mr. Okay. Miller, you got a question? And I'll tell you that the, the reason why I decided to do a um, conviction integrity is just because of the situation with me. You know, I knew yeah. the office intentionally 
you know, try to get me charged back in 2014. And as everybody, as I've gone along since then, no matter where I've been in the community, people said, Ferris, if they did that to you, who else have they done yeah. that to? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly, man. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, Thank that's you. right. Um, yeah. I, I have one other question. <clears throat> yes, so, I, and I was thinking on this right here. Um, how do you intend to handle hate crime? Because, you know, that's been on the rise now. And, you know, um, like I said, a lot of people have been emboldened <clears throat> to just um, yes, really be themselves and not hide behind the yes, shadows anymore. So how do you intend to, once you become, you know, Attorney, what is it, district attorney? How do you know uh, address this? First thing is, I will follow the law. In in North Carolina, we have in place laws of, uh, involving hate crimes. Um, right. We will follow the law, and we will not try and punish people because of they may have different political views than me. That's right. But, but, but we must understand, we will follow the law, and we will prosecute those cases that do fall under the hate crime provisions to the full. Okay. Yeah, and just people need right. to understand that. Again, it's not about what your political uh, political party is or what your political passion is, but if you break the law, we will prosecute those just as we would, you know, any other law. And we intend okay. to, when I do have that, I tend to have experienced prosecutors handling those so that it can mm-hmm. they can be resolved expeditiously um, and in the proper fashion. Okay, yeah, because you don't want to have people, because you have people, if they see one person do it, then they'll they'll um try to mimic that person because they right. feel like, you know, this person got away with it, so, you know, right. I could do it too. And, you know, then, you know, it becomes a trend. So, you know, that's been one right. of my um things that I've been thinking about, you know, just because of how things have been, you know, um, happening thus far. So, yeah. Like I said, but my thing is I want people to understand my office is not political, we, not in the sense of how we, how we try cases and how people how people are charged. Right. Um, it's did you break the law, and if so, how we're gonna how we're gonna deal with it? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is Jamil? Anybody else got a question? Actually, I agree. I was agreeing with what he's saying. I was actually agreeing with what Tanya said because she was asking the same question I was getting ready to ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, although we had the same question in mind, so she beat me to the point. Okay. Okay. But at least he answered the question, and, you know, I'm hoping for a victory for you, Mr. Dixon, Thank and you. I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we got 13 more hours of voting from 630 to 630 on Tuesday. And if you have a vote yeah. and you're registered, you need to come on out. All right, yeah, no so problem. I think all of no us problem. already registered, so we ready. We we pumped up. And I'm ready. ready. What is it? Fired up and ready to go. Yes, Fired up, ready yes, to go. Ma'am. You will now be the new <laughs> district district attorney. If I'm saying it right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So we have been speaking a lot. So um, excuse us if we start talking a little bit. Um. That's all right. Um, out the code, yeah. But I really do, like I said, I really do appreciate you taking time out because I know, you know, you are a busy man and you get ready for your new position because we're already claiming it. So um, we just want to say mm-hmm. thank you and we um, you. hope, you know, um, all the best of luck when you um, become the new district attorney. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Okay, you, you too, too. Mr. Dick. 
All right. Thank you. And let's just right. enjoy your okay. Okay. last year's you. and I look forward to seeing you on, on election night. Hey, wait right. a minute. Before you, hey, before uh, you go, I, hello? Yes, sir. Are you still here? I'm still yeah. here. Okay, then. Well, look, man, if I just happen to get in some trouble, man, I, I want you to work out for your people. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do. We're not to get in trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, I was, we're going to try to keep him on the straight and narrow. Right. Yeah, I'm just messing. So, yeah. Mr. Dixon, once you win, we're going to hope to hear, um, hope you'll come back on our show and so we can congratulate you formally. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. All right. Have a good night. Okay. It's to you. Bye bye, y'all. All right. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. That was Mr. Dixon running for Dixon Attorney yep. of Pitt County. You know, like I said, hope he win and um, do his thing. So. That's right. So That's we right. got we got ninety seconds. What y'all uh, what's your uh, okay. opinion about tonight? Okay, first I want to apologize for y'all kept saying who was that the last segment that was mine because I had to walk in there and tell my son to turn that mess down so I could feel all the way back to the bedroom. That was my son. <laughs> and then playing the game. I'm like, okay, I can't hear even in my own room. So, and um, of course I'm trying to cook. I'm trying to cook and do an interview. So I'm a I'm a working mother, parent, single. Oh, okay. exactly. so, I understand. <laughs> but I'm I, trying to I cook am too. so. I think I stopped cooking. <laughs> well, I got to go back in because so I think my biscuit might be burning. So I'm gonna put y'all on mute for one second so y'all won't hear this noise. Why I thoroughly enjoyed you having me on town. It was such an honor. Thank you so very much. Hey, no problem. Come back anytime. You can come back tonight when we put it to your husband. So, all right, 830. (laughs) (laughs) I can't talk to Mac on Wars Lost today. Y'all say them more. Yeah, so. I don't know if I can cuss up here, but y'all got y'all butt beat tonight. So I'm going to Well, you know what? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm it's let really, y'all really, have really, a it's going to lose, so we still we still with our team, so it don't matter, yeah. A- exactly. ACTR, ACTR all day. Yes, it's like Dallas Cowboys all day. <laughs> but I'm just I'm sorry thinking y'all got y'all butt beat tonight, but I'm so glad because I'm just glad y'all got beat tonight. Oh so my god, okay. that is oh that's not so, nice. I'm, oh. it is my, really? my That's how you see you got nothing else to say about Falcon. It's okay. It's okay. All right. You said cool, but I'm just sorry your team lost. See, see, okay, that's okay. That's all right. Cool. I, look, I'm, look, I'm good, I'm good over here. I'm good over here. All right. I know. I'm sorry y'all lost, but we I'm still about cool. I'm about to check time. out, y'all, man. I got, I got to get ready for tonight's show. I got some, I got to right. for the night, man. I'll see y'all yeah. later. <laughs> all right, eight thirty. It's Sports with your boy Vic T. King C's Wallace Mac LC. Thank you for a political nation. Appreciate time. Appreciate Mr. Miller. And I will yes. see y'all later. All right. Okay. All right. Good night, y'all. All right. All right.
All right. You too. At Midwest IT Support Help Desk, we believe that technology should support and enhance your organization's success, not constrain it. With our wide range of best-in-class services, we provide customized solutions that fit your unique IT needs. We are committed to excelling at our job so you can focus on doing yours. Midwest IT Support Help Desk is always available. Providing your organization with professional remote help desk support services you need Midwest IT Support Help Desk will solve your technology issues day or night. Our IT staff ensures that your network and computers are up to date and ready for operation on a daily basis. Don't wait until problems occur. Let our organization solve them with our monitoring software, giving you the peace of mind you need. Let us do the worrying for you. Enabling your workforce with top-notch technologies isn't just important, but imperative for business success. This customizable solution allows your team to work seamlessly and collaboratively in a protected space. No matter what IT services you need, Midwest IT Support Help Desk will be there to support you every step of the way. Midwest IT Support Help Desk. We are committed to excelling at our job so you can focus on doing yours. Please visit www.midwestitsupport.com for more information or shoot us an email at helpdesk at midwestitsupport.com. Give us a call, 765-239-9668.